Do you struggle with self-control when it comes to your online behavior? If so, Plucky might be the filter you need. With Plucky, you decide ahead of time which sites are safe for you, and then Plucky locks in your settings to keep you from self-sabotaging in a moment of temptation. It's a self-control filter that helps your long-term intentions win out over your short-term compulsions. Take courage, take control, get Plucky. To learn more, visit PluckyFilter.com. That's Plucky, P-L-U-C-K-Y, Filter.com. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. When many parents look across the cultural landscape, they can become fearful, especially seeing the trajectory of sexual brokenness and confusion. But is there hope in the midst of the fear? Our guest today, Barb Winters, believes there is. She is the founder of Hopeful Mom and author of the book, Sexpectations, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Healthy Relationships. In our conversation, she highlights key principles and practices from her book that will help parents and any caregivers of young people to know how to talk about sexual topics and struggles with clarity, confidence, and hope. Our ministry's director of training, John Fort, even provided an endorsement of the book, saying, Sexpectations is a calming voice to parents in the midst of the chaos of trying to talk with older kids about sex. I appreciate how Barb goes beyond just what to say to kids, but includes work that we need to do as parents throughout this process. Sexpectations is an emotional rock for parents to stand on as they navigate these waters. For more information about Barb, her ministry, and the book, visit hopefulmom.net. For even more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And as always, we'd love it if you would rate and review the podcast after listening because this does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. All right, let's dive into this hopeful conversation with Barb. All right, well, Barb Winters, welcome back to the program. Great to be here. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, you know, we had you on here once before. It's been a couple of years ago, and you came on to share some of your story and just kind of how God was even leading you into this space of uh, maybe helping families because of what you had, kind of the journey that you had gone through with your son. And um, so I'd love to to get a let some of our listeners that are newer, that haven't kind of heard the backstory of how you've gotten to this point. I'd love for you to tell a little bit of that and how you got to this place, to this uh, book that we're going to be talking about that you've written called Sexpectations. So can you give us a little bit of the lead up to you then now tackling this book project? Absolutely. I would love to do that. So about eight years ago, we, my husband and I learned that our son, one of our sons had been watching pornography and it was a complete blow to us. We literally had no idea that this was happening in our own home. My husband's a pastor. I'm a homeschool mama. Uh, we raised our children, right? So to speak, we taught them biblical principles. Uh, we, we thought we covered the whole sex information properly, uh, but obviously we hadn't. And so when we learned that he had been watching pornography and then later learned it was an ongoing habit and actually an addiction, it really blew my mind. We, um, I was scared. I felt alone. I felt shamed. I felt guilty as a mama. And mostly I felt alone. 
um, because, you know, I'm a pastor's wife and we're in this little space and there's a stigma associated with it. And I thought, well, who can I tell this to? So we really kind of kept it secret, just um, mostly between the three of us for a while. I had one out of state friend that I told, but other than that, I didn't disclose this information to anyone. So we dealt with it on our own. Eventually, as it came to light, how um, how bad it was, we did tell some other family members, um, but we still kind of kept it within our our little circle. And so later, as I was doing a bunch of research and just trying to help him get past all of this, I found out how prevalent pornography is, how pervasive it is, how much it affects everyone in our society, really. And I thought, why aren't we talking about this? Like, why aren't parents talking with each other? And why aren't parents talking with their children about pornography and its harms? And then um, all the other things that I learned about. And so I decided I was going to talk about it. So I started what um, at that point was called Difficult Conversations. We've since rebranded to Hopeful Mom. And we talk about these things. And it's it's really morphed into something quite a bit bigger now. I also go into schools and talk with students. We talk about all online dangers, really. Human trafficking, sending and receiving nudes, um, uh, being uh, the gaming, et cetera, et cetera, how, how damaging it can be. And we really try and steer them more toward healthy choices and healthy relationships, which is what kind of led into the book eventually that uh, is coming out. Yeah. So why did you, um, why did you think this book was needed? This book is needed because parents are still kind of in the dark, right? We're starting to understand what's going on, but um, we're still a little bit kind of clueless as to what's happening in our children's culture. And there's that gap between what we know and what they know to be true. And so I decided and thought, well, it's information that parents need to know and really educators, leaders, youth leaders, et cetera, et cetera. So talking about the culture that they live in and what they run across when they're online and even just the peer pressure that they really experience. Because when, we, when I talk about sending and receiving nudes, uh, that begins in middle school. And a lot of it has to do with what peer pressure and what they believe to be normal behavior that you and I would never believe would be normal behavior. So that's why I think it's needed. Now, is this a book that would only benefit parents or are there others that would benefit? Who else could be part of that audience that you're trying to speak to? Yeah, that's a great question. All of this online information, and, and when I talk about that, I mean like hookup culture too and all these uh, things, the gaming, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it really affects all of us, right? So whether you're 10 years old or 90 years old, because of the way our culture is moving, it really affects all of us. But um, it's really geared toward, the book itself is geared toward parents of preteens, teens, and young adults, also educators who are working with them, youth leaders, uh, caregivers, grandparents, anyone who interacts with this this age group. Mm-hmm. Now, you, the first section is entitled The T Deterioration of Relationships. So can you give us kind of an overview of that section of the sure. book? Yeah. So I wanted to just kind of start with 
why is this book necessary and where are we? Let's take a little temperature control, if you will. So the deterioration of relationships um, begins with kind of a history of how we got to this place, because we tend to point fingers and we say, well, that generation. And I know, especially in the church, because we have multi-generations in the church. And a lot of times the older generation just points their fingers at the younger generation and says, well, it's what they're doing. And it's happened for years, right? Um, So I wanted to kind of say, you know what, it's, it's, this is a long time coming. And I think the pandemic kind of sped it up and and made it come to to fruition, like make it made us look it in the face a little bit more. But even when I was growing up in the 80s, yes, I'm aging myself. Um, you know, there was this uh, culture of sex is okay outside of marriage and being involved in relationships, uh, one right after another. That's all okay, and so it's not just it's not just Gen Z that's dealing with this or Generation Alpha. We've, it's been a slow fade to get here. So I talked about the, um, all of that, like the history of where we're at um, and kind of like this, as long as you're happy, kind of uh, happy-go-lucky sort of culture that we live in. So Why did you feel it was necessary to start the book at that place? Because the reason I'm asking this is because a lot of times, especially when you think about parents who are now, maybe they're faced with the reality of a a sexual problem that has come up in their child, whether it be, hey, they find out that their child was inappropriately touched, or they find out that their kids saw porn or, or whatever else, or they found out that they're being taught at school that, you know, they've got to choose a pronoun or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me like most parents would say, how do I solve this problem? And yet you started with saying, let's talk about where the breakdown of relationships happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I totally understand that. Yeah. We always want that shot in the arm, right? Well, what I'm trying to say is there is no shot in the arm. It's been a long time coming. And if we understand that, hey, we live this life also, right? Because they're curious and they get to this point because they're curious or because of the peer pressure. If we can understand that, hey, when we were going going through school, there was a lot of peer pressure and we were curious also. And yes, it's a different world. And I understand that. But we had the same um, desire to feel loved and accepted and validated and all that. Then it's easier for us to come alongside them as opposed to trying to just parent them from like the top down, like trying being an authoritative figure. Instead, we can come alongside them, put our arms around them and say, you know what? I kind of understand. I get it because even though I'm not living in the same world you are, I had those same thoughts, those same emotions. And I see how if I were living in your world now, I could have maybe made those same choices. Mm -hmm. Now, in the second section, um, it's entitled Habits for Healthy Relationships. So can you tell us what those habits are and just maybe a little bit about each of them? Sure. So there's four habits that I just um, kind of uh, go through in, in, in that section. And obviously, there's more habits, so, but these are just ones that, that came as, as I was reading the Bible and the, and the passages that I was using. So the first one is love and Christ-like love. And we, we talk about Christ-like love a lot in the church, but what does that really mean? What does that look like from a biblical perspective? And then how can we um, 
give Christ love like love in relationships and then pass it down to our children. The second one is selflessness. So, you know, given this Christ like love that we have, how can we now take that and selflessly love others within the context of a healthy relationship and kind of contrasting that a little bit between, um, you know, that doesn't mean being a doormat. That doesn't mean allowing people to step all over us, but selflessness means just putting the other person first and then mutuality. So we talk about what does mutuality look like in the context of a healthy relationship? And then the last one is communication, because I've found that a lot of problems that we have within relationships more have to do with communicating and misunderstanding people than anything than the message that we're actually trying to to send or receive. So those are the four sections. Yeah, can we try to flesh that out a little bit in like a real some real life scenarios in a family? So maybe let's take let's take especially that one selflessness because I think I think a lot of times, even in the church and even in Christian families that are trying to teach their children selflessness, it can come across as if you have no value and the other person is the one that has value. So how do you actually, first of all, define selflessness and what does that mean for developing the healthy kind of relationship connection that you're talking about in the book? Sure. So um, 1 Corinthians 13 is where I get a lot of this information. And so not um, not holding people accountable, you know, not holding records against them, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's it's thinking of the other person first. So allowing putting yourself in their position, allowing them to um, be who they are um, and not. But, not, you know, it's hard because it, it's not it doesn't mean that you don't exist either. So when I, when I am selfless, for example, with my son or with my daughter, I come to them and I say, look, I have feelings like what you said to me hurt me, but, um, that's not your, that's not your concern. I will deal with those feelings. However, I want you to understand that it does hurt me, but we also need to deal with this situation. And I'm going to do that by putting your needs and your desires first. So we're going to validate who you are. We're going to make sure that um, I I love, you know, how unconditionally I love you. And then we're going to um, come at it from that perspective. Mm hmm. What is this? Uh, what is the uh, talk more about mutuality? I think that may be one that maybe I don't know. Just even from a definition standpoint, parents and and educators too may want to understand about that. Yeah. So reciprocity, you know, making sure that everybody's reciprocating what um, back and forth, basically. Um, but mutuality was I started in the beginning of that chapter just talking about. Um, submission and how that word gets thrown out there in the Christian world. And, and sometimes there's, uh, there's feelings behind that word, (laughs) especially when you're a woman. And so I, I'm actually in my second marriage. And so I, through the process of my first marriage and then into my second marriage really struggled with this word. And I wasn't, um, a Christian when I got married the first time. So it, you know, once, once that word comes to light, you're like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And so I've, I've been on both sides of the coin where I thought, well, I should be dominating in my relationship. And then I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be this meek, uh, little 
humbled person as a wife and not say anything. Um, but mutuality is really um, when both people put the other person's um, needs first and they, and they kind of have that back and forth, that reciprocity. Yeah. It's uh, what is it? Ephesians five twenty one or 22 says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. Everybody forgets that before they go into the marriage part, right? Or then it says wives submit to their husbands. Like there was that mutuality thing prior to the instruction right. on marriage, right? right? Exactly. Um, so the last section you have in the in the book is um, entitled Recovery and Restoration. And why are these important to discuss in the context of healthy relationships? Oh, this is this was my baby. I mean, the recovery and restoration is is um, so necessary in order to continue to have those healthy relationships. So we talk about forgiveness and I, um, we used to work for a, a discipleship place and where we learned sort of a formula for forgiving, if you will. So um, being able to write down what the person did to you and then sit there with the Lord and say, I forgive them for what they did and I forgive them for the ramifications of all that. But then also taking a look at what I did and going back to the person and seeking their forgiveness also. So um, without that, without Christ's love and without learning to forgive, we really can't have that restoration and reconciliation. But I kind of break it down into two parts. One is, okay, you have the individual who has some sort of sinful behavior, whether it's sexually deviant behavior, which is kind of what the book's about, or it's, you know, anything that has, that has um, put some sort of a, a rift in a relationship. And so that person needs some personal healing. And so, you know, walking with the Lord on how do I get past this information? How do I get past this behavior? And then, then restoring the relationship. Right. And if you're a parent who's been hurt by the sexually deviant behavior, how do I now as a hurt person betrayed and, and walking in grief, how do I restore myself at the same time that I am parenting a child who's who's been involved in this behavior, which is a very difficult rope to walk? but they're also necessary. So when my, my son and I came out of this, because it's a, it's a long process when you've got a child who's steeped in behavior and uh, for a long time, he didn't want out and then he did, thankfully. And when you're walking with them through all that, well, let's, let's forgive and let's um, hold your hand and, and let's pray with you every night and let's do check-ins and all this. It's, it can be very difficult on a relationship. And I, I didn't see him as a very lovable person for a little bit, you know, because the view that I had of him was distorted and I had to come to some sort of reality of, well, how am I going to see my son now? And so walking with him at the same time that I'm hurting is difficult. And so how do we heal from our own trauma, our own problem hurts, our own pain at the same time, parenting and ushering our child into the place where they're also restored and then coming together and making sure the relationship is solid. Mm -hmm. So, so um, uh, how'd you come up with a name for the book? 
Sexpectations? Oh, well, that was a collaborative event. I, I cannot take, <laughs> I can't take any um, credit for that at all. My publisher came up with it. So okay. originally it was called Healthy Relationships in a Hookup World. But after the, the manuscript was finished and we sent it in, we decided that it was kind of more broad than that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, for the parents out there that are just saying, okay, what's my first step? Um, especially I'm thinking of the parents that let's say they've got kids kind of between that eight and 13 year old range. So sort of pre-adolescent, what would be some words of encouragement and hope you would give to them? And then maybe talk to the parents that, Hey, their kids are already, you know, 14 and above. Maybe they're already engaging in behaviors that are, you know, unhealthy. What would you maybe want to say to them too? Sure. So for the first set of parents, the eight to 13, I would say, it's time. So we can't wait any longer until puberty. We have to have these conversations ahead of time. And more than likely, your child is more ready than you than you know, because uh, there are people out there talking about these things and they are interacting with those kids. So um, I like to give this advice. Look yourself in the mirror and say some words that you're not used to saying. So say pornography, masturbation, um, sending and receiving nudes. Talk about it to yourself in the mirror until you're somewhat comfortable. And then just step into the awkward because it's going to be a little awkward to begin with. But it doesn't have to be. So the more we talk about it, the less awkward it becomes. And the younger we start, the easier it is to have those ongoing, continuing conversations. So some conversation starters would be, hey, um, I was listening to this podcast today, and I heard that the average age of first exposure to pornography is somewhere between 8 and 12. Have you heard this word before? What do you know about it? Um, has anyone ever showed you anything that made you feel uncomfortable on their phone? Uh, what would you do if you came across a photo that made you feel uncomfortable or that you knew that we wouldn't approve of? What would you do? Um, just some open-ended conversation starters to kind of get the ball rolling. And um, my, my best advice really is it's not necessarily about the words we use. It's more about the tone that we're using and whether or not we're uh, surprised or excited or upset. So somehow or another trying to, you know, regulate your heartbeat and your tone and, and leaning in and trying not to be surprised, which is hard for me to do because everybody reads it all over my face. Um, but, you know, if we can get to that point where we understand that these are conversations that should be normal and natural, then we can have the have them without showing the surprise on our face. For that second group of parents where there's a possibility that they've already seen pornography, then I would um, say, similar conversation starters, like, wow, I didn't realize that I should have been talking with you about this already. You know, maybe even start by apologizing. I, as a parent, I feel like maybe I haven't done some justice to these conversations. And and will you forgive me for that? And can we kind of do a little bit of a do-over? I I would really like to be able to have some conversations with you about sex and sexuality and uh, the things that you might be finding when you're on the screens or maybe interacting with your friends or your peers. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what you know? 
about pornography and sex or sexuality and, and kind of feel them out. Again, the open-ended conversations, um, and it might have to be more than one conversation in the sense of they might shut you down. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. Oh, we've talked about this. You know, if they, if they do that, yeah, I know, I understand, but I'd like to have that conversation again. Um, and just keep bringing it up. Sometimes it's just as you're going along too, you know, when you're in the car and you hear some lyrics to a song, ask a question. What do you think mm -hmm. about that? Well, what do you think God would say about those lyrics? Or it's become kind of funny at our house because we'll be watching a movie and, and we'll see a sex scene and all of a sudden we're all yelling consent, consent, because <laughs> we know that, you know, the definition of consent now. Um, and so we just kind of play it out as we're, we're doing life. How important, you mentioned this a little bit earlier on, how important is it that um, parents be willing to even bring their own history and their own story into these conversations and speak to the parents who are just terrified of doing that because they're afraid of their kids repeating all of their same mistakes? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we need to get over ourselves, truthfully, um, <laughs> to some degree. I, I think it's important for us to give some information about our past without going into detail. Um, so I was sexually active before I was married. My kids know that. I don't tell them details. I, they don't know when, how, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But it makes us real and authentic in their lives. We're afraid that they're going to think that we... Um, we will think less of them or that we're this perfect person. And if they don't, they don't um, uphold to our standards that they're, they're somehow breaking our hearts. If we tell them that we've, we've been there, we've also done things that we possibly regret. We've, we've had sinful behaviors in our life. It, it makes them, um, it actually brings the level down a little bit. Their expectation of who they think they're supposed to be, it relieves them of that. It helps them understand we're real people too. Like we've been where you are. So again, that come alongside a sort of situation as opposed to the authoritative dictarian sort of behavior. Um, if there's one caveat, if a, a parent is still steeped in behavior that is sinful or needs to be addressed or they're not healed from, then, you know, tread lightly with that. I don't know. Um, we really need to come and talk from a place of healing, if at all possible. So when I when I'm in front of the classroom talking with students, when I'm talking with my children, even when I'm at, at church and I talk with the ladies group that I'm involved with, I try and talk from a place of healing. So here is where I was. And here's how God brought me through that. Um, because, well, for a couple of reasons with our kids, we don't want them to feel as if they, they are now have to own what we're feeling. We don't, we don't want to put that burden on them. But the other is that it's just, you know, we want to be able to help them see that there's, that there's grace and there's love and that God actually can walk us through these things. Yeah, that's good. Well, any other things that you would like to share from the book or that you would want parents to know about what you're trying to convey through this book? Um, well, mostly, again, it all comes down to the relationship that we have and coming alongside them in the sense of getting down to their 
level, so to speak, understanding what they're going through and, um, and helping, you know, validate who they are, you know, finding, if you can find something to relate to them with, you know, understand their love language or understand their personality, get to the point where you are, are relating to them at a level that they understand that. And um, I think that's where I feel like I kind of failed in my first years as a parent, where I didn't um, really see them as humans <laughs> with feelings and thoughts of their own. You know, there was just these little things walking around in my house and I felt like this responsibility to take care of them, but I didn't see them as individuals. And so if we can look at each one of our children as as individuals with real feelings and with real thoughts, um, then I think it really helps us come alongside them better. The other thing I'd like to say, which I try to convey at least toward the end of the book, is that there is hope. There is um, none of this defines us ultimately, right? We are children of God. We we are, we have, um, we're his righteousness. When we have Christ, we have this hope inside of us. And so on the days that it feels like we're going to die because we've we've done something horrible to our kids or we feel as if they've done something horrible to us, this is not the end. This doesn't define you and this doesn't define them. And this isn't the end of our story. Mm, yeah, that's good. We definitely want to land on a, uh, a note of hope. And so... Uh, Barb, where can our listeners and viewers go to get more information about your ministry and then also get the book? Yeah. So hopefulmom.net is your best resource. Everything is there. If you go to hopefulmom.net, then there's links to the book. And um, you can also find me on Facebook at Difficult Conversations for Parents and Instagram at Difficult.Conversations. All right. Well, we will make sure to put all of that information in the show notes so that people can get connected with you. But Barb, thanks for endeavoring into the space of uh, writing a book. And um, we're praying that it does really well. And thanks for being with us today on the program. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here today. Yeah. Well, listeners, um, be sure to check out hopefulmom.net. And we're going to put all that other information in there. And we'd love for you to go get a copy of the book's expectations and we're always so grateful that you've been with us. We want to help you take your next best step. So please reach out to us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.